Hello and welcome to our show, Film Talk with AJ Dean. I'm AJ Dean, your host, and I have the amazing and very talented and very funny co-host with me from Las Vegas, Nevada, Paul Vato. Hey, Paul, what's shaking this week? Oh, not much. It's getting cold. I, you know, I probably shouldn't say that because it's probably way colder in other parts of the country. But for us, you know, the 60s is, is pretty darn chilly. Uh, but I'm I'm hanging in there. I'm, I'm I think I'll survive. I'll survive the winter in Las Vegas. I'm in shorts and a and a t-shirt, so I might have to put on a sweater. Other than that, I'm great. Thank you, AJ. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited about tonight's show. I know, right? Me too. I am. I was thrilled, and I'm wearing my sweater. I'm all cozied up here in the Northwest. We have a very special Hollywood VIP. Brian Rader from Los Angeles. He is a TV producer and production executive. He's also known for Brian Rader Media. So he is our wonderful special VIP guest. And let's give him a very, very warm welcome all the way from Hollywood, California, Brian Rader. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm sitting here uh, with my coffee in my Raiders Coffee Talk <laughs> entertainment in a cup mug from clubhouse and i am ready to go on these q a questions all about hollywood oh uh, that is amazing you know i got one of those cups darn it i don't have it on my desk here but i cheers okay. with you with my tea i love it and i use it all the time okay let's jump right into it brian because i got a lot Good. of fun questions and i know that paul does too he's gonna yeah, have some fun ones as well Brian, you studied at University of Maryland, College Park. You're well, from- I, I have to cut you off there. There oh. wasn't any studying going on, but I did attend the university and I do have a diploma. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. And you are from New York, right? Originally from New York, Long Island. Um, I spent the majority of my childhood on Long Island in the Five Towns area. Um, over near the beaches. And uh, I spent my weekends in the city. I was fortunate enough that my, my cousins, my uncle, my aunt, my grandma, everybody was uh, in Manhattan. So I got to live both the Long Island lifestyle as well as being in Manhattan and seeing what the city had to offer. Amazing. Amazing. So you grew up there, you saw movies, and then I, did. I, I was I was exposed really kind of young to I'll say culture. I mean, when I went into Manhattan and I was with my uncle and my grandma, my grandma took me to like my first epic movie that I saw, you know, like she took me to Little Shop of Horrors on Broadway. Um, you know, she was in fashion. My uncle was in fashion. I was I was really kind of like hit with it at a young age where movies and TV shows. Also, my parents every Sunday would take me to a, a movie. Uh, we would do dinner and a movie, the the three or four of us when my sister was there. And um, and that was really like my inception into the world of movie making and television. And I was just a young kid with a dream that was like, I always want to go do this. I always want to play in that entertainment sandbox, but I never really knew how I would get my start. And I think um, for any kid in any major city that is not Hollywood, you're so far removed, but you're like, wait, but I went to the movies or I saw a play or any of those things. You're like, how do I go do that? And I think that 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 it stemmed from a really young age of me wanting to be in the industry. I just knew never knew how I would get that opportunity. Yes. And so you fell in love with a bit of the classics, the old Hollywood like I did and Paul did. Mm -hmm. So you grew up with that wonderful uh, family. Uh, like you said, dinner and a movie. You probably saw yeah. the 
right? So yeah, I mean, for me, it was like, I saw every type of movie under the sun and my, my parents were really, would always bring back old titles. And for me, you know, being in my forties now back then, it was, you know, anything pre 1980, I, which I didn't know about. And they would just hit me with a title. And then I remember even back then there were like black and white classics that they would tell me to go watch. And I would go down to the basement and I, where I would go to Blockbuster with my Blockbuster card and I would rent these movies and I'd be like, wow, like 1950s, 1960s, 19, and I go through so many different of the classics. And, and I think, you know, I always had a knack for, for falling in love with film. I think the majority of it was, I was, even though I was a big athlete and a big jock in high school and, and, I, you know, I had friends in different uh, realms. I think on the weekends for me, it was a time to kind of sit back and relax and hang out. I even remember at a really young age, uh, we had a dog and I used to go on Saturday mornings to watch cartoons. And I would go lay on the dog, I would lay on the dog, pour, pour myself a big bowl of cereal, and I'd be eating cereal, just watching cartoons and watching shows all the way till my parents came down or my sister. And then I would just continue watching stuff throughout the weekend. So I think my, my love for television and film has always been there. And I, like, like I said, I, I didn't ever knew where that opportunity or that inkling would come. Um, and so I can actually tell you how I first kind of stumbled upon a set um if you guys want to yeah you know, i'd love to take it all the way back i was in college um and a fraternity brother of mine was in theater and what happened was he had gotten way too drunk like we always do and he had an audition for a role um and it was for a commercial and i didn't know this at the time but i said can i tag along and just sit in the room with you when you audition or is it can i go with you and it was about an hour away in baltimore i went to university of maryland it was in baltimore at a place called taylor royal casting and i wound up taking the address, even though he didn't want to go and he was too hungover to go on the audition. And I wound up go walking in the door and they were like, sign in there. So I was like, all right, I sign in. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm auditioning for IO Digital Cable for a national commercial. And I wound up being one of three kids chosen out of about 500 that got cast in this commercial. And that was my entryway into the industry, which was I booked this commercial. Next thing I know, I'm on the commercial. And, and I didn't want to be in, I didn't, had no desire to be an actor. I guess they just saw what a lot of people do in the industry. And they're like, how are you not in front of the camera? You're so charismatic. And that's, that's probably what they saw and just being outgoing. Anyway, that turned into me then landing a role on the show Sex in the City. Um, and I, and, and, it's, and most people don't know this, but I had a very small stint. I was supposed to play Samantha's love interest um, on the show. They wound up cutting a bunch of lines that they wound up giving me in the, in the middle of this whole thing. Um, and I did that. I did those two things within probably three months of each other of this casting agency. And then a modeling agency asked me if I would do some runway. And I had these three things that happened like within six months at the University of Maryland. As I said, I wasn't really into my studies. I was kind of partying a fraternity guy and the next thing I know, I'm doing these three things and getting the behind the scenes. And every single time I was on set or I was there in a show, I was like, what are all these people doing behind? And that's really, I think, where my love for the creation of things really came from. Mm -hmm. And so that happened very in a kind of very whoosh. And most people would say, well, why don't you just continue to, to, to act or take it seriously? And, you know, you graduated, you went back to New York, like, go be an actor. I just never had that inclination. I think I had the inclination of like making money and that's how I transitioned into finance. Um, so that was my very early start. And obviously I'll let you guys ask the questions and don't need to take you through everything, but 
um, that that's kind of where the light bulb went off. Like, wait, what are all these people doing behind? Like they're all working, they're producers, director, writing, people running around, craft service people. Like I was engulfed in that in New York, especially on Sex and the City, which was such a, a big show. And being able to, you know, be opposite Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall very early on in my career. Amazing. That's what I was going to ask you because I love, love, love Sarah <laughs> Jessica Parker. And I know Paul does too. It was amazing at the time. Um, she was pregnant and she had a, a gal following her around with candy because she had cravings. Um, and in the episode, in the major episode that I was in, which is season five, episode five um, on set, she, you could, I could see, I mean, everybody on set could see she was pregnant, but the way that they hit it was that they, she wore all black and she had a kind of a covering. And so you didn't know. Um, you know, so she kind of hid that. Um, and the first time I saw Kim Cattrall, I was very starstruck, um, way more than Sarah Jessica Parker for me. Um, I, but then again, I was a big Sex in the City fan and, and I still am a really big fan. And um, and and so it, it, it kind of being on set and seeing all of this happen led to me asking a lot of questions to the people on set, to people that were, you know, walking us to the set and all of that. And through that experience, I think, and the others, it was like, ooh, how do I break into that side? How do I break into that world? And how do I get a job doing that? Um, and after graduating and working in finance, I didn't really have that opportunity until one day when I was going to switch from JP Morgan to another financial institution, I landed uh, on, a, on a set and a film set. And the thing that I remember from those other experiences was you just always ask for the producer. So I was like, oh, okay, you asked for the producer. So a PA came up to me. I asked for this for a producer. I was wearing a suit and tie. They probably thought I owned a building or who the hell knows it was involved in some corporate thing for the guy or owned a restaurant they were shooting at. They didn't, you know, something like that. Um, and the next thing I know, the producer introduced himself to me and we took a stroll down the city street. And to this day, I don't know what I said to him that made him go, hey, do you want to work on this film? But the next thing I know, he offered me a job and I was basically like a producer's apprentice, i.e. a PA. And I started shadowing people on that first set. And that was my first inclination really into the world of how does a movie get made? What does everyone do on set? Um, I spent all 20 something days shadowing one person roughly a day and really seeing how, how does a movie get made? And then I started asking budget questions and money questions and this and that. And then I worked with that production company on a couple back-to-back -back films. I leveraged that into another movie that I was a co-producer on. And then the rest was kind of history. Um, I, I could take you through obviously my transition into reality and working with the studios and you know now do, having 20 plus years, but that was kind of the basis of you know going down the line and, and really um, taking hold of an opportunity that really presented itself. Incredible, this is so much fun. I love this, I'm drinking this in and I know your fans are as well because it's so much fun. Paul, I'm going to send it over to you while I check my notes here and my of course, of course. Uh, I, you know, Brian. I mean, I I also have you know like a business background as far as uh, small business ownership. So I love the fact that you came from this world of finance and this almost maybe non traditional, but you knew the questions to ask and you knew how to present yourself on stage and and get what you wanted. My question is. Were you in between finance jobs? And maybe I missed it. No, so, or so, were you... so yeah, so when I landed on that set, I had been working at JP Morgan, but was going to take another job outside of JP. There was another company um, that I was going to accept a job from. I had accepted the job. And then they, I said, 
cool. Can I start in a bunch of weeks? It's like any corporate job, right? You, before you take the next job, you're like, I need some vacation. So I wound up that I said, I needed two weeks with them. I'll take an extra week for vacation. I'll be available in about three weeks. So I knew I had this time. And so when the job was presented, I was like, wait a second, I could go work on a movie for a few weeks before I start this job. Cool. I'll go check out and see if this is something I even want to do. Sure. Now, keep in mind, at like 26, 27 years old, I was making almost six figures. And to give that up and say, oh, you're going to go PA for, at the time, I think it was $125 a day or whatever yeah. it was. I, I wasn't in it for the money. I was really in it for the experience. And 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 that's the thing that I, I really urge other people when they're when they get started in this business, things that I talk about on Raiders Coffee Talk, things I talk about with friends is... If you want to be in this industry, you cannot do it for the money. It is not, it doesn't pay six figures. And it, when it, when it does, that's 10 years out, you know, mo the average income, even with the people that make millions of dollars a year is 50,000 or under for most people that work in the industry. Um, they're going gig to gig, job to job, unless you get a corporate job um, and eventually, you know, work with a studio or something that's going to pay you a handsome amount of money. And so you really have to, love what you do, find the passion for the industry, find the passion for the people yeah. want to make really cool shit. Cause ultimately that's what it came down to is like, I was like, I want to make fun stuff and I want to play in that proverbial sandbox with all these creative people. Yes. And you want to believe in those people. You want to have fun and um, you do it for the craft. I get, I get you 100%. Don't you, Paul? A hundred percent. It sounds, I mean, just like acting, you know, word of warning, it's it's one of the highest paid industries, but it's also one of the lowest paid industries in that that 1% makes, you know, the million dollars per movie or more, or, you know, totally. these are the people I'm, I'm sure, you know, behind the scenes, it's, it sounds like it's the, the same way. It and is. Then most of I, us I, I think it is. But I will say this, um, getting a getting a freelance per assistant job, getting a freelance job or getting a staff job on something I think is 10 times easier than landing acting jobs. And, yeah. and I, and, and I, I look at the industry and I'm like, no wonder I didn't want to be an actor. I couldn't do that. I can't go like three months without feeling like I'm tied to something or working on something. Even if I'm honing my craft, even if I'm, you know, working on a budget or working on a development of a show idea or something. And I, I think, you know, I think that was my biggest thing coming through. This was like, I want to be on the making of the product, not on the individual who's in front of the camera. And I think that's why I just, even though I got a taste of that being in front of the camera, it just wasn't for me. Um, mm -hmm. Not to say in my early years of working on indie films, uh, you know, I put myself in everything um, just for fun because I, I get a kick out of it. You know, yeah. um, in, in a movie called Uncle Melvin's Apartment, I played a guy moving, moving, a moving tr truck company, moving people out you know, in a movie, you know, like all the movies that I pretty much have ever done or been involved in, uh, in some way, shape, or form, and even TV shows. There's some behind the scenes stuff that I posted where cameras on reality shows have got me, Shaq and Ludacris were talking and I was watching something like a couple months ago and I was like, that's me, I was in it. I didn't even realize they did a behind the scenes thing and I'm sitting there on my phone looking for like probably another job and, and you know, and, and they got me. But, but I think that, um, I think you just have to know, you know, Number one, not in it for the money. And number two, really find the thing that you are best at and use that as an asset and just go down that path with the thing that you're great at. 
Wonderful advice, beautiful gems. And I know everybody in, uh, I was going to say Raiderland, Brian Raiderland <laughs> out there <laughs> is enjoying this on yeah. Instagram as well. Hi, everybody. Uh, and thanks for tuning in. Um, Brian, you have the studio background and perspective experience. Mm. So you have worked with a studio system. What needs improvement? I think the biggest thing that needs improvement on the studio side that I see is that there's so many goddamn people on a studio side. Um, you know, there's hundreds of people. They all do something different. But the thing that I noticed on the studio side, whether it was Warner Brothers or Fuse Network or other networks that I've worked and I've been on the production company side and talked with all the network execs is that they don't necessarily all talk to each other. So the people in development don't necessarily talk to people in production. Production doesn't necessarily talk to finance. I think it's putting all those people in a room together and saying like, even at the beginning of the year or quarterly or, or monthly, whatever you want to do as a company, what I see is there's a lot of things that slip through the cracks. And I think it's because a lot of these conversations aren't being had about specific shows. And I think if they went down the line of all their shows and they talked about the shows and people could chime in on all different facets, whether it's the people developing the show, people in physical production, people in finance, people in accounting, people almost everybody touches a show. And I think that they're so isolated, especially with COVID. That's what I've really seen is they went from like everybody taking huge meetings to now everybody's on Zooms and Zooms are cutting out and people have meetings during the Zooms and then they're jumping off meetings. And then to me, it's it's a lot of that. And I think that that's where the studio system is, is currently failing. And I think that um, how they're gonna shape it in years to come is a camaraderie of what it takes to actually put all the pieces together to make amazing product. And what would that entail in the future then? I think it's just them recognizing that there might be some holes in, in that in that as an option um, and coming together. Like I think back in the day, I remember seeing old yeah. footage of old studio movies and old studio TV shows like the ABC, CBS, when there used to just be four dials on the TV and they'd have everybody in one room. It was literally every single person that was involved, all 150 people in a big meeting and they before they all went to went to work and they said, great, here's what we're trying to achieve. Here's this show. Here's this idea. Here's this thing. OK, we got the production side. Tell us what the well, you know, the, the 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 things that you think could be coming up or this and that. I think we've come away from that. I think we've become a society of working individually versus working as a, as a group. Mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely right. We have lost that. We need to get back to that. What do you say, Paul? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's uh, for some of the good things that came out of COVID as far as, you know, for actors being to audition from home, there's all these other things that that are, you know, slipping through the cracks and whatnot. So, uh, no, I, I agree. It, it's time to uh, everyone to get on that same page. And it's incredible. You know, I was just on, on a set a couple of weeks ago and when right before we actually shot the scene, everybody was on that set that that, that we were shooting at. And there must have been, and this is for a TV show, you know, with animation, but there must have been a hundred people <laughs> all crowded in this room that we're about to shoot once once we've locked down, you know, the once we'd locked it down. And I was like, man, it really takes a lot of people to make this work. Or or does it? You know, I don't yeah. know. For me, my business side is like, couldn't we combine this and this and this and this? Yeah. You know, but maybe it does take that many people. I don't know. I think Brian would have a better answer for that. I think on the smaller stuff, you can get away with those people wearing multiple hats. Um, also, because the budgetary constraints aren't there. Um, I do know, like, 
you know, I've worked on, you know, now within the departments of shows that are a hundred million plus $200 million plus, um, you know, on the big studio side and, you know, it does take that many people, sometimes even more. Um, and, and I think that everybody has that specialty that they, that puts the, the little check mark next to the project. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I, I do think, especially in the, in the beginning stages of any of those big, big projects, it does take that village to be able to complete it. Um, but I am, but as you know, budgets are shrinking and things are changing. I do think that we, 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 we will move back to a realm where people are now thinking in those terms. Do we need to shoot it this way? Can we get away with a cheaper budget? Can we look for efficiencies? Can somebody double dip? Can we look for ways to shoot stuff that is more, you know, uh, in line with the budget that we ultimately maybe can? And now they're maybe trying to cut slash half the budget down. And in order to do that, obviously, there's people that have to uh, take on maybe more than one hat at, at certain times and, and projects that are getting streamlined. Um, I know that's happening big time in reality television where they're going back to the old days where you were like, oh, do you need 40 people on set? No, nah, maybe we can get away with 20. Maybe we could do it with 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 10 on this show, um, you know, and I'll, and I'll bring the duct tape. Right. There you go. And, and, and maybe maybe that is a way uh, a wave of the future for these, especially these indie filmmakers. I know that are that are really trying to pit, pinch pennies to make great product. Yeah, I think that's the wave of the future, too. And I just had to get that in because duct tape, that's one of the tools that would be in the prop department, wouldn't it? For okay. sure. I mean, it could be anywhere. I mean, you could use it in the camera department. You could use it in a prop department, art department, yes. grip and lighting. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you could secure dollies. Oops, I'm sorry oh. about that. I, you could secure yeah. dolly cameras and all kinds of things. So I mean, every, anybody, duct tape is probably the most utilized yeah. asset tool, you know, um, or any kind of tape, gaff tape, anything Yeah. on a set. Electrical tape, black electrical Anything tape. Anything that sticks, we're in. You got it. Okay, um, thank you so much for that, Brian. Yeah. Um, over a hundred hours you have done, at, worked in on the digital and network TV and film experience. So, and you also worked at Warner Brothers Discovery and we've got the picture up here on your second screen. Yeah. You worked as the financial executive mm -hmm. there. What lessons did you learn? Well, first of all, I mean, I was a guy who for like 15 years wasn't in the studio system. I I would work as, you know, a production executive, a line producer, an EIC, four production companies and have single or multiple shows under my belt. And I would oversee those shows. Going into the studio system, um, most, you know, at Warner Brothers as a budget estimator in the finance department, I, the cool thing was I got to see probably all 50, 60, 70 projects that they had on their slate. So every time a new budget would come in, it would pass through my fingers or I would take a look at it. And I think the, the most fun piece of that was the ability to be able to work with multiple departments. Um, I worked with accounting. I worked in finance. I worked with production executives. I worked with development executives across all the projects that came in that were in the scripted and some unscripted arenas. Um, and I think that that for me was a, a, a light bulb kind of went off. And at the same time, I learned a shit ton. 
Um, there was a lot on the very finite finance side about fringes and rates and um, and and people on set and um, that I didn't necessarily know all of that beforehand. I had a big unscripted and digital background, but my scripted background was a little bit limited. But now after having done that, I now understand about writer's room and how long that takes and what, what you know, what do the scripts take and the turnaround times and what are, what are scripted uh, costs that are not necessarily associated with costs that are in an unscripted budget or a digital budget and being able to understand the difference between all those varieties. So now when I look at a budget, I can either say, is it digital, is it reality, or is it a scripted product? That's gonna dictate something. What kind of budget range is it in? That'll give me some more information. And then if it is on the scripted side, how big of a writer's room? Um, how big of a show is this? Is this 3 million, 10 million? 20 million an episode is there are there a lot of vfx is it sci-fi is it shot in what tax incentive state or even country so i think that i've you know i've definitely amassed a lot more knowledge with working at warner's and also warner brothers is like a staple they have some of the biggest shows that are you know game of thrones uh dune that's you know jj abrams abrams project oh, you know, yeah. there's, some, there's some big big shows that is under the warner brothers umbrella and being able to tap in and see all the people, as we were just talking about, that are involved in making the decisions behind that show, those shows, is pretty monumental and pretty fun. Amazing. Is that, Go ahead. Paul. Is that Warner Brothers Discovery? I mean, it's, it's part of the Warner Brothers family, but uh, it, that's where they're producing uh, projects with? Or what's the Warner Brothers Discovery? So... Okay, so I'll go back in time. When I first started at, at um, Warner Brothers, it was Warner Brothers after the AT&T merger. Um, then it became Discovery bought Warner Brothers. Then it became Warner Brothers Discovery. And now everything that is what we know as HBO, HBO Max, TNT, TBS, and now Discovery all will live under one umbrella of... Uh, so when people are shopping projects or people are looking for that... You know, Warner Brothers, when you think Warner Brothers, most times people don't think of HBO, HBO Max. Most times they think of, ooh, that big movie that was that big WB, the big Burbank lot. But but if you really break it all down, there's so many things now that fit under that umbrella. So all of Discovery's reality content, all of TNT and TBS, so sports, all the stuff that fit under the TBS, TNT umbrella, including all those shows, then you have the, the the old Warner Brothers, which is the HBO and HBO Max after streaming came in. So there's like about five tent poles of that company that now exists. So under one umbrella. And I have a feeling that we're headed for this for a lot of companies. We've seen a lot of mergers. And I think that that's where the world is really headed is it's the Costco Costco of all things. And companies are just going to be gobbling each up each other up until I believe there'll be like four major companies and all the channels will be under them. Yeah, yeah, that's how it's going to go. And um, when you, so. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think so. I think, I think that's so. Where we might end. I think that's a, a great prediction. And uh, for Warner Brothers Discovery, that's where uh, the movie poster here that we have on screen, the Carbonero effect. That's yep. where you. That's uh, that well, was under Warner. So the Carbonero effect originally was a uh, a true t true TV, which also now is under the Warner Brothers Discovery umbrella because it's a it's a true TV TBS product. So you have to you have to now change your mind of thinking and say, well, which which TV station or network is this under, and then what's the conglomerate that owns that? So the Carbonero effect happened way prior to uh, 
to Warner Brothers. I was an exec there as the what's called the executive in charge. That's the highest title on the production team that you could probably get. Wow. Um, overseeing line producers and production managers and all of production. So everyone reported into me. I was there since the pilot with Michael Carbonero when the show got sold. Um, and then we did about 26 episodes a year and I was there roughly three years. Um, so I was overseeing 26 full episodes delivered to, to TV as well as all of the uh, YouTube specials, all of the magic shows. And um, I've done a couple magic series and I really love magic. I gotta say, uh, I'm a big fan of magic. I'm a big fan of magicians. I think it's an amazing world. I love them too. I think they are wonderful and they bring so much entertainment and joy. And um, yeah, I love, I love them too. Don't you, Paul? I'm absolutely a big fan of magic. <laughs> I, 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 on my podcast, Paul Vada presents, I interviewed magical Katrina because yeah, I'm such a big fan of, of magic. <laughs> it's just, you know, and that goes back to maybe being a kid and just being baffled. And now knowing some of the background, how it works, it still, it still fascinates me. And I love it when it's done really well. Now, uh, Brian, and I don't know if, if you're at liberty to discuss this or, so or maybe this is what we're- Here's how this works, Paul. You ask me the question, I say, yes, I can say that or no, I'm not allowed to, but feel free, go ahead. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, is Carbonero Effect then coming back? Because I know it was up, yeah. up, up until pre-COVID so, and yeah. we've so been waiting for it. I don't have an answer because okay. I don't know the answer. I was not privy to those uh, conversations. I was involved in the early seasons of the Carbonero Effect. I know they've been on hiatus slash it stopped for a couple of years and I don't know if Michael's going to come back and if the show will come back with him. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. That, that was... you, can ask, you guys can ask any question on their son and I will tell you, yes, I can tell you that or no, I can't, or I need to tell you that off this, off the zoom. Question. I actually don't know the answer. I hope it comes back. I love Michael. I think he's fantastic. Oh, it's yeah. a great show. Yeah. Wonderful. So yeah, perfect. I agree. I agree. 100%. Um, okay. Speaking of any topic, I'm going to talk about women and your support of women. Uh, Brian, you support women in film. I do. This is really important to you. And uh, I wanted to ask, how are you supporting women? What are some of the things that you're doing for women and why Brian, is this so important to you? Yeah. I think there's a lot of reasons, but I had some pretty powerful women in my life. Um, my mom and my sister raised me two very powerful women. My grandma I spent a lot of time with. I just have like the utmost respect for, first of all, women and their capacity and ability to do things. I truly believe that women actually do things better than men. We were just give. I do. I really do actually believe that women in their essence are better across all facets of the entertainment industry in most businesses um, that I see uh, that, you know, that's successful. And I think that, you know, for a long time, this was a man's world and I grew up in it. I, you know, I grew up in the, you know, uh, the, 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 seeing my friends and, and their households where their mom stayed home and they cooked and their, the fathers went out and they worked and, and I've seen this transition. And I think the time, the time has been due and I think it's really coming around. Um, and, and, and not just that, you know, on clubhouse, I host, you know, female Fridays, AJ that, you know, and like, I'm a big fan of having a room that's designated to supporting the women on, on clubhouse or in the entertainment industry. Some of the best showrunners, directors, uh, writers that I've met and worked with were women, 
you know, they have no ego, they have no teeth, you know, they just want to make great products. And I've always had amazing experiences with all the females that I've ever worked with. So for me, if it's, if it's up between a guy and a girl, uh, you know, a man and a woman, and, and I'm going to work with someone on set, I would definitely rather work with a woman on set. And that's just my own personal opinion of working as, you know, climbing the ranks as a production person and working with, you know, powerful female showrunners and, um, and women, you know, I'm a, I'm a big advocate. So that hopefully that answers your question to that. Yes, it does. And you also supported uh, Sally Cologne, who was our friend as well. I want to give a shout out to her. And yeah. she, she has her own show called Welcome to My Clubhouse. Everybody, yeah, where I was on her podcast. Totally. Yes. And so everybody, please tune into that search for it on YouTube. You can subscribe and follow and support Sally. She's our beloved friend as well. And yes, so you did that for her and you are uh, hosting each week on Clubhouse yep. and you're letting us be the moderators. And I, there are no men moderators besides myself. Cause I set the room usually. Um, <laughs> and then a lot of the women take turns and they host the room and, and they're the ones running the room. Mm -hmm. I'm just there to support. Um, and I think that that's a beautiful thing from the very mm -hmm. onset of, of Clubhouse um, you know, to be able to, to, to support everyone in the entertainment community. But I noticed that for some reason it seemed like, and I feel like this is also the way in entertainment, is that men usually have a, a, a louder voice and, yeah. they need to be, and they need to be heard. And I thought, you know what? Why don't we turn this on its head and let all the women moderate the room and then they have the loudest voices and let's see what happens. And it, it, it's been fantastic. So yeah. Are, I, you, I are you enjoying it? I, I love it because I get to sit back. It's always powerful women in entertainment and they get to control the mic and the guy, men have to listen. So yes. Yeah. And I do want to give another shout out to Kimberly, my very sweet friend, Kimberly Skirm, yeah. who introduced me to you, Brian. So I Fantastic. want to say thank, thank you, Kimberly. Yes. And, yes. and we love you, right, everybody? Yeah. And um, so now I'm going to bring up a very, very important uh, topic. It's a hot topic. This is the controversy okay. section of my show. Oh um, no, controversy. Here we go. You ready? ready. Strap on your seatbelt. I'm ready for the controversy. Ta uh, Paul, you're on mute. Oh, you're muted. You're mute, Paul. We can't hear you. What did you say? Maybe, maybe he was supposed to be muted. <laughs> was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was maybe making fun of Brian. I was like, he doesn't like controversy, so let's be very gentle. <laughs> no, that's okay. I don't mind controversy. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about it. But let's talk about the con controversial topic. Let's, thank, let's hear thank it. you. This is me, and you know I'm going to go there. So here we go. Okay. OK. How do you feel about artificial intelligence, Brian? How do you feel about singularity merging the human mind with, uh, you know, up in the cloud? Artificial intelligence. How do you feel about the Borg? I know people know what the Borg is from Star Trek. How do you feel about working with robots versus humans? Take it away, Brian. Okay. I'm going to try to keep it a little bit short on this one, but this is how I feel. And I, I think I, I may have said this in one of my clubhouse rooms. I am all for robots. I am all for robots cooking, cleaning, doing all the things Brian doesn't want to do. I'm even down for robots on set, as long as it's not in a creative capacity. I do not want to see robots handling cameras. I do not want to see robots, anything that is of that. But if it's about building a stage, being a stagehand, sweeping up the floor, doing anything that anyone else really could do without any insight, totally game four. But I can tell you this, I do not want a robot building my budgets. 
because they will not get them right. They will not have the foresight and the insight and the way that I think and the experience level of the amount of times that I've built budgets and things of that magnitude. So I will just keep it here. I'm a fan of, until the point at which it gets to the creative sector of anything. And I really don't want to be part robot unless I have to be at some point. So I would like to keep all of my parts. But if a part goes bad and it could save my life or it can help me in some way, totally down to be part cyborg. I love that answer. Okay, I'm with you. And I'm going to go over to Paul and, and get his take. But I'm just going to say real quick, mine is I want to keep I want to hold on to my soul. I want to hold on to my spirit. They're mine. It's uh, also tied to my faith and my moral code. Mm. And I don't want to become a part of the Borg. So I agree with you, Brian. And over to you, Paul. I would agree with uh, with everything that, that Brian said. The problem is, I think it's inevitable that there, it's AI is going to get involved with the creative because you see it already happening as in, guess what? I'm an artist now. And via text, you say, uh, in the style of Picasso, paint Paul Votto smoking a cigar while reading a copy of his Kama Susia. Sure. And you see how I just worked all of my stuff in there. Yes, I uh, do. While reading paulvato.com. Right. And boom, this thing. And I, I'd hate to say it, but I think that somebody's going to go like, oh, put my favorite actor, um, you know, Vin Diesel in a, a Fast and Furious 21 that mm -hmm. takes place in, in in space. And somehow AI can create all this for you, here's a personal thing. movie. I'm game for that on a very small scale of people that want to see a Vin Diesel recreation movie. <laughs> but if it's a new Steven Spielberg movie and it's a robot and it's not Steven, I'm out. Yeah. 100%. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Good call. But not so controversial. Yeah. So, uh, I, but it's happening. It's going to come. And some, you know, you're, uh, I want to remain with the creatives. I want that human element. So I'm with both of you gentlemen. And I think that's absolutely, go ahead, Paul. I, I, if, if possible, if they do develop a bionic eye, I did have a detached retina. So this side like is still blurry. If, if it helps you for health purposes or makes you a better human, I'm game for that. But if you want to take my brain out and I can no longer be Brian and now I'm something else behind a computer attached to my head, no, no bueno. I'm not, I'm not maybe also getting a little bit on time. We have a few minutes left um, and then we're going to do our heart messages. But I've got a few more questions I really want to ask you, Brian. Yeah. Um, you have worked in digital at Sony Pictures TV and in network TV and executive in charge of production. What's similar in each of these industries? What's different and, and what do you like best? Um, it's a great question. Um, and it's a really tough one to answer, but I'll kind of, I'll deduce it down to here. Um, now with all this experience, I like being the person in charge. So at times when I didn't know things, it was better to be kind of lower down on the rung of now I love to delegate. I love to help mentor people. I love to help teach people. Um, so I don't mind sitting in the captain's chair of production. I kind of, I, I fancy that. And I, and I really love that um, across all those things. As you said, there are aspects to digital that I absolutely love, but if I'm honest, where the money is both for me and for the projects, the bigger, the projects, the more eyeballs are on the stuff. That's the larger, the project, the more money of that project 
from years to come, I'm going to want to work on the biggest shows, the bigger things, bigger scripted projects, because the, the stuff that's low budget, A, doesn't pay that well or pays a lot less. And also, um, it doesn't usually shoot as long. And it doesn't, you, the talent that you're dealing with usually isn't as significant. I'd rather work on like the high profile stuff that's in the press, trades, things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's absolutely. Um, Brian, one other question I've got to ask. Um, yeah. What is your dream job and what legacy do you want to leave on this earth? I think the dream job is in my current state. I think it changes year to year and I think it'll continue to change. Um, I don't think that there's like a dream job. I think there's a dream job now. And I love where I'm at right now after working for the studio. I'm working for like Blumhouse and I'm working on a project with them. And I have a reality show with a scripted producer on something else. And I, I have my hands in a ton of projects and I'm pitching shows and I'm selling shows. And, um, you know, I have a production company with a producing partner outside of Brian Raider Media, which is me and my services that I offer companies. So I love that aspect of having my hands dabbling in a lot of different areas and I think I'll probably be that like 80 year old guy with a scripted script on his lap <laughs> sitting at the beach, partly retired or on the golf course with some kind of project that some 30 year old kid gave me that's at the clubhouse. Like, I, I think that's that's just innately what, what will happen. But I will say that down the line, I could either see myself probably in a few different aspects. One, running, running a studio and being a head of production. Um, two, running some form of a network or three, being at a large production company that's doing a lot of cool cutting edge things. And I think that that is inevitable, but for right now, I'm just playing in the sandbox and seeing kind of what comes my way and and also what I feel like doing. I think that's the beautiful thing about being your own boss is you could, you could pick and choose and say, ooh, this sounds interesting, I'm gonna do that. As an example, I think it was like five years ago, I got approached by a company who was through Echo and it was the first, uh, and it was a Walmart through Walmart Echo. and Echo was doing interactive television. It was the first company that really did interactive choice based like comic books back in the day where you get to choose your own adventure through storytelling. And we did we did um, 10 plus pilots for them and having my hand in all of that, but also seeing how on the back end of it, you need three storylines and each one of those has nodes and, and you get to choice based based on what you feel like as a person and you get to make those things. So being on the forefront of technology was really fun. And I got to take that project on and work with production people for six months and kind of run all of those pilots. And that now I can say, I know what that looks like through development, production and post-production. And how do you edit something like that with all those different pieces in it? So um, I, I think I'm always changing. And I think I, I always have my my finger on the, on the pulse, just like where we met AJ, which was Clubhouse. And yeah. I was one of the very early adopters of the app. And yeah. I think it was just because I was at the forefront of technology. And I think that that's really important. Yes, yeah, so so very much. I've got one more question that I'm going to hand it over to Paul. I I just I just wanted to. This, it's just so exciting for me to ask sure. this. Um, Brian, how are you changing the world? Oh, wow. I honestly I honestly don't know that I'm changing the world, but I I hope that some piece of what I'm doing is changing somebody's emotional state. I know. I just went to the movies last night. I saw a great film. Um, and I left the movie thinking and pondering what I saw, what I think about life, my place in it. And I hope that I'm doing that for other people through the content that I'm producing. 
Yeah, yeah, you are. You're being mentor, you're being teacher, um, you're giving wisdom and knowledge, you're explaining things. And this is, um, you know, the way to education for a lot of people. And so you are a teacher, Brian. So that in the way, in that way, you're such a leader for the industry. Paul, over to you. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, the, the question, the very important question is, are your mugs still available? Yes. Can people still buy them? Yes. And I remember there was maybe some kind of uh, charity attached to it. Yes. Or, yes. Thank you for asking. So uh, my Raiders Coffee Talk mugs, which I've now sold, I don't know, maybe a thousand of them at this point, um, or, or gifted a, you know, a lot of them away to people in the entertainment industry, as well as selling them. Uh, they are, you can shoot me a DM uh, at the real Brian Raider and I could send you the link. Maybe we'll embed this in the show. I don't know. You guys could tell me, but um, yes, you could purchase one of the mugs and 20% go back to my elementary school teacher. Um, I was learning disabled as a kid and I probably wouldn't be the person I am without the teacher teaching me how to read and write. And I wouldn't have gone off to college and done all the stuff in entertainment that I've done. So I wanted, wanted to give back to her. Um, and also, you know, also it's a great marketing and promo tool when you have your name on a mug and it is about your clubhouse, you know, room uh, for entertainment in a cup. So, um, yes, you can still purchase it and you could definitely go on my site to do so and reach out to me. And thank you so much for bringing that up, Paul. I really appreciate that. Of course. No, because I, I did remember that, th that there was this uh, charity attached or, you know, something that's benefiting the world. So thank it's you for the thank kids. You for it's, 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 it's giving to the kids, just like my teacher gave to me in this way, you know, um, last year, uh, the money that we gave, they did art supplies and pens and, and books and uh, all kinds of stuff, you know, whatever, whatever kids in elementary school need. Um, now she doesn't have to think about it. She just gets a check and she's able to do it. Wonderful. Well, there you go. You are changing the world, you know, however you can, not just with your art, but also with your generosity. So, so thank you. And I sincerely hope that maybe one day we get to work together, whether it's behind the scenes or of course, I love the acting part, but, um, <laughs> but also maybe on a project or something. So totally. thank you for, I, thank I you for tell doing everyone this. this, if you got something good, send it my way. Um, you know, most times I don't hire actors, but I definitely know some casting directors, but yes, I hope that there's a set at some point and at some point I walk onto some project and you're there or AJ's there. I love that. Yeah, I, love I, would, that. I would love that too, so much, so much. I can guarantee that I can send you something, whether it's good or not. No, it has to be good. That's what I tell people. <laughs> it has to be good. It's gotta be good. I even I even, I even, even said this to my dad. My dad's writing this TV show, a pilot. Um, <laughs> sure. I, swear God, I swear to God. And I said to him, I go, don't send it until it's ready. He's like, well, wh what does it mean when it's ready? I said, when you know it's as good as it can be and it's great, then you send it to me. <laughs> well, how will I know that? I said, have other people read it. He goes, what do you mean? I got to get other people to read this before you read it. I said, you got to do what you got to do to make it happen. <laughs> they got to give it the thumbs up. Right. Absolutely. It's a great project and send it over. Uh, yes. I love it. And, 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 and if there's any improvement, you know, send notes because notes is love. I've learned that. That is for sure. Um, I did want to also mention, thank you, Paul, for mentioning that. I did want to uh, piggyback on that and also mention, I was going to mention, um, how do people get to do your consulting? And let's talk yeah. about Son of Barista. <laughs> sure. Um, wow, you guys are hitting all the notes. Where do you guys get all this stuff? Okay, great. Um, uh, so the first thing is consulting. Yes. So through Clubhouse and just in my daily life, I was getting a million DMs in my on my Instagram 
Facebook, all over. Hey, can I talk to you? I got this thing. Hey, da, 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 da. And then before you know it, I had thousands of messages. I couldn't get back to everyone. So I just set a Calendly and I set a consultation, which is part of my business, which I, for 30 minutes, you get me on a phone call. I'll give you any advice under the sun. It could be about writing, directing, producing, acting. I don't care what form of entertainment. It could be breaking into the industry. Um, you, it could be for your kid. It could be for your aunt. It could be for anybody. Yes, you could just shoot me um, a message on my Instagram and, and or if you guys are doing links here and you'll put it, um, but it's basically to book a call with me. Um, and, and, and that's on that. And the son of barista, my, my buddies own a coffee company and a tea company called son of barista. And once they saw what I was doing charity wise, they said, Hey Raider, we want to do something nice for you. Your, your, you know, your clubhouse people, your friends, your, your all the, you know, all that stuff. He said, cause you know, the give back and stuff, they said, we want to give you all of our coffee machines for free. So that what they're doing is they're giving away their son of barista coffee machines, which I think is like 400 bucks. They're giving those machines away. And then you just buy the pods for the coffee. It's amazing Italian roast coffee. They have tea, kombucha. They got all kinds of stuff on there. Um, you know, all the different kind of milks you could put in. Um, anyway, so no matter what kind of fan you are, whether you're tea or coffee drinker um, or chai latte or whatever, you can uh, go on their site and you can book it or you could shoot me a message directly and I'll give you the promo code so you get the machine for free. Wonderful. Amazing, amazing. Wonderful. I'm going to uh, send your dad your Calendly link so that he can call you. <laughs> ask that would be funny. And the script. Yeah, he, yeah. He would book a call for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that is great. You know, I booked a call with you, Brian, and I thank you, you for that. Yeah. For helping me. And hopefully that has helped the podcast and it's helped what you guys are doing and and the growth and everything else that you guys have going on. It has. It has. It, thank you so much. And also, um, I did order the Son of Barista, and it is the Amazing. most delicious. Well, it there is. There you go. You have, you have a machine, right? I, I do. Jeff and hey, I love well, it. Do you drink coffee? Uh, yes, we do. And we love it. And also, um, it's from it's Italy. And of course, it I'm, part, I'm part Italian. So there you of go. Course, I'm going to love it, right? And so it's delicioso. So I just want to go. That. Molto delicioso. So my first business was a gourmet ice cream and coffee shop. So I'm going to have to look into this. So look thank into you. it. Give me a message. I'll send you the link. If you want a free machine, take it for a drive and, and go from there. Yes. Love it. I love and it. Brian, do you have your own website, brianrader.com or what is so it? Brian Raider Media is my, is like my production one. Um, and then Pictures Up Entertainment is my production company with my producing partner, Lewis. That's where we sell all our shows. Um, and if you want one of these lovely mugs or a consultation or anything else, just shoot me a DM on my Instagram, which is at the real Brian Raider. And the reason why it's at the real is because I kept getting phonies. And you know, at a certain point, you're like, all right, so now I need it to be real. So it's at the real Brian Raider. That's yeah, the below, there's going to be a link over here that you can <laughs> click for my Instagram on this. That's right. Just That's like true. this or like this, wherever they decide to put it. <laughs> you got it. It's right. going to be, it will be. There we go. And um, so thank you so much for that, Brian. And um, Paul, did before we do our heart messages, did, I wanted to go over you. Did you want to say anything or share anything or ask a question, Paul? No, th th this, is, this is fantastic. I feel like I've learned uh, so much. And it's great to see Brian face to face. Uh, yeah. we've, we've spent so many hours on- Not Clubhouse. just the voice. The vo I know this is wonderful. So it's been such a joy and a pleasure for me. And then to really get to know Brian even, even more. Uh, I've always you know, been a big fan, but this is uh, thank you for doing our show, Brian. That, 
Me yeah, of too. course. It's, it's such an honor. I've loved it. And thank you so much. So we're going to do heart messages now. Brian, okay. we do that always. You know, it's something just to share with the world, you know, that's on your heart, you know, a healing message or something, an encouragement or whatever it is, you know, your motto, whatever is important okay. to you. So uh, let's go. Do you, do you want me to share first or are you guys going to share and I'm going to go last? You decide. Yeah, I, I'd like you to go first since you're okay. a special VIP guest. Okay. No problem. I will. I will go first. Um, the message that I want to share with anyone who watches this or comes in contact with this podcast is this. Always follow your heart and this too shall pass. No matter what, you, we all have stuff going on. It could last a day, a month, a year, 10 years. I promise at some point you will look back and you will just smile knowing that you got through whatever it is. I love that. I, that is beautiful. Um, and that gives the message of hope because we all need that. This too shall pass. Yep. And and I love it. So thank you, Brian, for that. Um, Paul, over to you. That reminds me of the old adage, which is if you're going through hell, put your head down and keep going. So thank you, Brian, <laughs> for, 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 for reminding me about that. And also kind of going going with, with you know, Brian's story. It's not where you start. It, it's where you end up. And always be ready to, to make those changes because, you know, Brian's a perfect example. Uh, with And I'm sorry if it was a dyslexia, you know, growing up. If it wasn't for this teacher, he wouldn't be where he is now. But totally. then getting uh, going to school, not necessarily to study, but to mess around with his friends, but still somehow getting a degree. That's right. Graduating, going into finance. And then finance, you know, going, uh, you know, it, first into the movies, then into finance and back into the movies yeah. business. I mean, it's it, you always have to be ready to pivot. And, you know, one thing leads to another. So I think anyone that's listening and I hope they get something from this and learn from from our stories and Brian's story. You know, I started out as an entrepreneur, business owner, got into acting, came back into entrepreneurship, owning a cigar shop and then now back into acting. So it's life is fluid, man. Just Paul, what's so the name of your you. cigar shop and where is it? Oh, it's uh, Vato Cigars, and we're in Las Vegas. Right now, uh, after COVID and the divorce, the shops uh, are closed, but I'm still online, vatocigars.com. If you go to paulvato.com, thank you for asking. Go to paulvato.com. You can then, uh, you know, and you can DM me, and I can send you our uh, blend descriptions because we have mild, medium, bold, extra bold cigars, all that good stuff. I will stuff. send you a message. I Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. Got it. Any, any way to support, right? Oh, yes, sir. Exactly. I love this so much. This is what it's all about. And I want to thank you both, gentlemen. You're both exceptional and excellent in every way. And here's my heart message. Generosity is contagious. And we can be generous with more than our money. We can give our love, our time, a kind word, a helping hand, or even um uh or i said that or even our time okay <laughs> admittedly sometimes it's easy to be so focused on our to-do list that we forget to look for ways to surprise people with generosity so let's be more intentional about passing along blessings to others okay that's it that's my heart message for this week and You're i I read that, but I, and I did okay, but I don't want to be an actress. I just want to be a podcaster. So <laughs> there I, you go. I qualify. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Well, Brian, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Thank and you guys an honor. so much. This was you fun. Know, you're a Hollywood VIP executive, and we know you're going to do great things in the future. And we thank you for being in our lives. And Paul, thank you for being here and the best co-host ever. And any last words, Brian? We we just uh, all I could say is maybe I'll come back next year and just get, do an update of like where am I? Like let's <laughs> let's pen a year from right now and say, yeah. hey Brian, what's going on and where are you? And let's let's dig a little deeper. Okay, let's do it. You're on a right. deal. Well, thank you so much. Got and it. until next time, au revoir. And until we meet again, bye-bye for now. Bye.